You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode six of our show where we discuss the latest news about Apple, iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, and more. Recording on Thursday, March 5th, 2015. Today we'll be talking about Apple in Taiwan, Daniel's trip to China, the Samsung Galaxy 6 Plus, I mean S6, Samsung Pay, Android Pay, and all the mobile payment news, and finally the Apple Watch and the upcoming event next week. We have with us this week Apple Insider contributing editor back from the Far East, Daniel Dilger. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yep. And contributing editor Victor Marks is also here. Hey, Victor. Always good to be here. And I'm Stephen Robles. So, Daniel just got back this week from a trip to Taiwan. He was over there, wrote a long piece, and um, we'll let you just kind of take it, Dan. I, I, two uh, lines of interest I did, like, you know, you were talking about the Apple retail store uh, situation in Taiwan or lack of them. And um, you had a, a great piece. So, I encourage everyone to go on Apple Insider, go ahead and read it. It's a feature article there. But, uh, you said Taiwan, despite a national population nearly as large as Texas, Taiwan does not have any Apple retail stores. Well, Texas has 18. I thought that was pretty funny. So, but anyways, tell us about your, your trip. Tell us uh, what you learned over there. Uh, it was, <clears throat> there were some things that I expected because I, I've, been to, I've been to Japan before and I've been to uh, Thailand and Laos before. Mm-hmm. Um, so... China was a little bit similar because it's all Asia, but it's also different as well. Um, there's a lot of people. <laughs> that was what really right. blew me away. I know there's a lot of people there, but like high density, see, right? Yeah, the density of how people live. Were you uh, in Taipei or, or where did you go? I was largely in Taipei. Uh, I took day trips out to, there's a national park just north of there that's waterfalls and um, you know, greenery and the geothermal activity. There's like steaming fumaroles of sulfur (laughs) and there's a lot of hot springs around there. So both in the North and the South, and you can pretty much take a a Metro way out from the city out in these areas. And then you take a short bus to somewhere near there. There were resort areas, um, down in the South that were, you know, the beautiful Valley and, uh, they have developed hot springs and then they have night markets where there's people selling all kinds of different things. And it's kind of an anatomy lesson too, when you go through the night market. What was, <laughs> yeah. What was the craziest thing you saw in the night market? And what was the craziest tech thing you saw in the night market? Um, well, in most of those things, the craziest thing was food. <laughs> and usually right. it was like animal parts. You're like, oh yeah. But then um, there's also vegetables that I've never seen before. <laughs> really? It, it's like, this is sort of, sort of like asparagus and sort of like lettuce and sort of like spinach. And wow. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see just the you know diversity and in, in things you kind of think you know about all the fruits and vegetables there are. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is all right. So this, only, you, this part of the world. So now you said there, there, there's no Apple stores in Taiwan, but there's lots of third-party, I guess, retailers um, sanctioned, or, or I guess. So uh, what was your experience shopping in those? There's there's the sanctioned ones, the, the um, authorized resellers. Authorized. No, authorized, yeah. Which are similar to, I mean, there's a lot of those anywhere. Um 
that I think a lot of them are trying to look look like an Apple store. Yeah, some of the pictures look a lot like them. That's pretty common in many countries. Yeah. Um, and um, there are also some that, like I saw the, it was like Apple Plus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. But, you know, just somebody trying to sell things and, and look like an Apple store. Um, I didn't see any the the story we had earlier about some of the knockoff Apple stores where they're actually trying to look exactly like an Apple store and they're just selling stuff. But there's a huge market in in some countries, especially in mainland China, for buying a bunch of stuff and uh, sending across the border. In fact, that's actually kind of a bone of contention because there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are going into Hong Kong um, and buying goods and raising the price. It's causing inflation. So they buy all this stuff and then they go back, kind of smuggle it back over the border and then jack it up tremendously to sell it to people who live there. Wow. And so that's a, that's kind of a political issue for people who live in Hong Kong because they don't want prices rising. And right. there's also just, there's probably a little bit of classism of, you know, these are outsiders and they're, you know, coming over and they're pushy and whatever. Anytime you have a, a different population coming in and changing things, it's causes sort of resentment. Right. Now, what, so, what, what was your experience? Um, you said you used Apple Maps over there. What was that like? Apple Maps in Taiwan are pretty similar to the U.S. Um, critically lacking in, in transit, obviously. Right. Because it shows you the individual stations. But it's even it's a little bit more frustrating because it's not consistently in English. Uh, right. So it, it's um, so like half the stations are in English and half of them are only in kanji or Chinese characters. And so it's like, you know, why is this not consistent? It should either be <laughs> all or not. <laughs> did, you, did you have to change the language on your iPhone, like the default language, to see that? Or it just, no. Okay. No, with English Apple Maps. I mean, you can, you can pull it up on your right now, uh, phone right. right now. I mean, you can just navigate to Asian cities and you realize that some of the stations are not legible. If you it, don't it, should have, it should have all been in Pinyin, so you could have read them, but... That whatever source data they're using doesn't have them all in pinion. Is that right? Yeah, none of it is. I mean, some stations are just the English name, and when you're there, all the names are it's it's both names. So so every station mm -hmm. it's has the Chinese characters, and then it has the has Latin. the pinion. Yeah, huh, that's interesting. So, so it's kind of strange to be an inconsistent problem. Yeah. So while so while you were there. Um, I mean, did you see a lot of Apple products like iPhones, iPads everywhere? Yes. And <laughs> particularly, I mean, for their subways are pretty new, actually. They didn't start even building them until like the mid nineties. Okay. Um, and now they have a pretty comprehensive network of underground trains. Um, and when you're getting around on underground trains, you have a lot of time to sit there and kind of want to be doing something. <laughs> So yeah. everybody's on their phone. So you see everybody's phone. Right. And there's a lot of Samsung phones, but there were a lot of iPhones. I was actually kind of surprised that there were so many. 
and a lot of them were were fives. Really? So now, not, it uh, wasn't uh, just everyone getting a six. It was there's a lot of people that have had a phone for a while. Of the ones that had a six or six plus, did you see like six plus as the preferred size, or you just really saw all fives? Um, I saw a lot of even like fours and fives. Uh, hmm. I didn't trying to think I was trying to make mental notes, you know, when I'd see people's phones and there are a lot of Samsung phones that you, know, you have to look at it for a second before you realize, Oh, that's not an iPhone. Right. Um, I predict that's going to continue to be a problem. <laughs> we'll get to that too. Yeah. They really, <laughs> really <laughs> very similar. Yeah. So you also wrote about the ads and the banners that you would see like in the train stations and stuff, a lot of app store, um, advertisements and most of them I saw it was like App Store, Google Play and one of the pull quotes from your article well conspicuously absent from those banners are any mentions of Blackberry, Nokia, Windows Phone or anything like that so I mean was it just pretty much Google and Apple everywhere? Yes and um, particularly in the apps market because I, I don't think there's anybody that has a Windows mobile phone uh, that I saw but also um even if you, some people had a BlackBerry, they wouldn't be targeted by the apps market, right? Because there's no apps for. I mean, particularly consumer apps where you're saying, "Hey, download this game." Yeah, it looked uh, like it looked like a lot of game ads. Yeah, a lot of them, and uh, there were there were apps for everything, but it was kind of interesting to see. The, I mean, mobile apps are becoming such a important thing. It's it's, it's the way we do things mm-hmm. that. There's constant advertising everywhere for for a lot of games and also uh, other apps. Um, and we see that in the United States, too. There's right. so much free advertising for Apple, it's kind of crazy. And Apple Pay is really put, you know, another reason for that. Right. I which think- Apple Pay isn't there yet. It's only in the U.S. But there's a number of reasons why everybody is advertising Apple. And I- apps are a big deal. Apple Pay in the United States currently is every bank is saying, you know, here's how to set up Apple Pay with us. And right. every ATM is saying, here's free Apple Pay ads. I, I always think it's funny to, you know, you say Apple gets a lot of free advertising. When I see like celebrities or movie people or musicians, I mean, nine times out of 10, it's an iPhone. And like Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show, if, if he ever does anything on his phone, he's always flashing his iPhone. Like, I, I don't think it's product placement either i mean that's just his phone like he has like pictures of the kids on there and it's just so much you just see it everywhere well he runs an ipad for his uh for a lot of his music sticks where he has people come on and do doo-wop with him using loopy hd so right, it's right. it's a whole thing for him yeah so uh, one of my last questions for you and if you have anything for dan but uh, as far as you know the watch is coming out or the announcement is going to be next week um did you get any kind of vibe from people and like Apple users over there that people were excited? Do they see it as a luxury item, a desirable type thing that they're looking forward to buying or is it just kind of not seen anywhere? Like what, what, what was the impression you had? I didn't specifically talk to anybody about, you know, if they were anticipating the watch, but I did see advertisements for it. Hmm. Not, not real advertisements, but people like a lot of these resellers had, signs up like like printed plastic signs that had an iphone and then huh, apple watch wow <laughs> it's not even for sale yet <laughs> <laughs> were there any apple watches in the stores 
Uh, no, I didn't see any. Yet. Okay, okay. That'd be One of the things I'm really curious about, we, you mentioned Apple Pay, is uh, that kind of, of transaction in China. Did you see anyone at all using an NFC transaction of a kind? Well, all of the metro stations have a tap card, which we have here in, in California or San Francisco. Um, but all of the all of the metro stations that I was in, you could buy a card and, and put money on it. Um, I don't I don't think they supported. I didn't see people doing it with their phone. In Japan, there's there's has been for a while a system. I think they call it Felicia, but it's built in. It's like basically just like the the thing is tapped on the side of your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how how much it uses the fact that it's integrated into your phone because if you just have a card it's pretty simple you can tap your card and you can also use that same card to pay for things in a 7-Eleven or anywhere where they have this thing right um, wherever their point of sales on board already yeah and because it's so ubiquitous that it's it's easy for shops to put in a thing and, and pay with your metro card there's there's some value to doing it that way, uh, and if you if you have it integrated into your phone, then it's sort of a a convenience. But in addition to that, if you have the idea of your payment system linked to your phone, you can do other things. So you can report what your balance is on your phone. And with Apple Pay, what Apple did was integrate it into the the Touch ID, so you're actually authenticating to make a purchase, right. which seems simple, but it's actually this kind of I mean, it's like a more profound idea of, of you're actually, you can't lose it because if you lose it, no one can spend it. Right. Well, that's, maybe that's a good segue. Was it's there also, anything? oh, go ahead. It's also more secure because it's, it's not using the actual number of your, your card. It's using a one-time token. Right. So is there anything else that you wanted to, to tell us about uh, Taiwan before we um, transition? I think we're good. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. It's a great, again, it's a great article. I encourage everyone to go on the site and uh, and take a look at it. It's interesting to see technology in a different culture, a different country, and I don't know. In some ways, it almost seems like the future of what America might look like in a few years. Just the inundation with app advertisements and and tech stuff. But you know, talking about mobile payments and made me think of Samsung Pay. And of course, while you were gone, Samsung announced at MWC, Mobile World Congress, this past Sunday, the Galaxy 6 Plus, or I mean the S6. Yes, I did the same joke. 6S. 6S. (laughs) Same joke (laughs) twice in the podcast. Sorry. But uh, the S6 and the S6 Edge, it's uh, Samsung's newest phone. It has uh, whatever they're calling Touch ID. They basically have that now. No more swiping. Just have your finger on the thing. Uh, it's now glass and metal, no more plastic phone, so they did try to up the hardware game on it. No uh, more micro SD slot either, man. No micro SD, you know, that was something... No, no changeable battery, dude. And that was something I actually heard a lot of the Samsung faithfuls actually disappointed about. I mean, that was one of the big features they had. And, you know, it could bring us, actually, they had spare batteries, and they would be able to use them in the micro SD, so that's all gone. It's sealed up. Um, some... We'll get to the design and, and what it looks like in a second. A couple standout features which I thought were interesting. Uh, the 5-megapixel the front-facing camera, they say they have the best selfie camera, and apparently people who were at the event said it was actually very good. So 
good selfie camera for what that's worth. But the wireless charging built in, you know, there's been um, those wireless charging pads around for years now. And you can get the case for your iPhone where you can charge it wirelessly just by putting it on the, the pad. Uh, but it's actually built into the Galaxy S6. So that's an interesting feature. That is something uh, genuinely new. And then there's all the very similar things that the S6 has to our beloved iPhone, such as there's now Find My Mobile, which is like Find My iPhone for Samsung. There's Samsung Pay to compete with Apple Pay. And if you look at these phones from the bottom, it is just crazy how similar they look. It's it's. Striking, you feel like you've seen that somewhere before. <laughs> so true. Now, did you Dan, can't did, place it? Dan, did you get a chance to see that? I mean, it actually came out when you were while you were traveling, but uh, I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. I've seen the the, the before and after pictures. <laughs> yeah, here's an iPhone, and here's Samsung's iPhone. Yeah, basically, and it's it's just pretty astounding. I mean, especially with the. The Samsung Pay and the touch and the fingerprint scanner on their home button too is particularly telling. Like this is a straight rip. I'm just gonna say it. Um, especially when you know Google Wallet is something that you get on Samsung phones before. Google just announced Android Pay a day after Samsung announced their phone. So it seems like Samsung Pay is just straight up trying to uh, fly in the face of Apple Pay and and uh, just straight copy it. I mean that that's all I can I can think to say about. Um, what do you guys think? Well, part of being a fast follower is you have to copy everything so quickly that people don't, you're, you're trying to prevent people from realizing what the original was. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, you know, cop, uh, Coke and Pepsi, they would constantly, you know, they'd come up with Pepsi, zero Pepsi free. One, and Coke came out <laughs> with zero. And it's like, well, which one was first? I don't remember. And yeah. <laughs> it gets yeah. to a point where you're like, oh, they're both doing it. But if, if they're, if you're constantly copying everything your competitor does, uh, then it makes it harder to remember who is doing it first. But at the same time, uh, there are there are concepts and ideas that evolve, and people start seeing that app developers are doing this thing, and so they adopt it and in the platform. And I think Apple and um, Android in general have both introduced kind of ideas that have kind of cross-pollinated yeah. people say, this, is, this is happening and what this is the feature but there's a big difference between doing things that are like revealing to be the right way to do things like let's right. do this this way so that this this works and just straight up copying somebody's design and idea right and i haven't seen really anything that samsung has put out there and said this is our original idea that no one could have thought of on their own this is our identity. Well, except for the the, fact the charging. Oh, except for I'm the fact sorry. Go ahead. I yeah. Well, I mean the the, the idea that of the phablet phones that was something that Samsung pushed because Samsung is a, de a screen developer. They have all these extra screens that they're creating in between the iPhone and iPad, I and so I, they just had a necessary. You know, here's here's stuff that no one's buying. Let's make phones out of it. I do. I do want to recall though. While Samsung had like the Fascinate and that line of like the first Galaxy phones that were still whatever three point something inches, HTC came out with the Evo, and that was I think one of the first phones over four inches. It was the first definitely four point three inch screen on Sprint, and I remember that. I think that if I remember correctly, I think that kicked off especially the the real large screen, and then Samsung came out with the the Note, 
which really took it to the next level. But uh, as far as big screens, I think I remember the Evo being one of the first. Yeah, HTC had already been making, I think it was HTC and Motorola were both kind of making larger phones. It, it was, yeah. I think it was when I did my article on, you know, Apple, that people always thought of Santa or uh, Android in general making bigger phones. But it wasn't until like 2009, like the end of 2009, that there was ever an Android phone with a bigger screen, right? Like, like a mainstream phone. Because up until that point, I mean, when Apple came out with the iPhone, it was like, whoa, what a shocking, you know, the whole front is a screen. There's no place for a keyboard. There has to be a keyboard. <laughs> right, right. Now, the other thing that is unique to the S6, and again, we're talking about mobile payments again, mm. Samsung Pay is obviously going to be NFC, just like Apple Pay, uh, with the that kind of with the fingerprint thing. But they also, since they bought Loop Pay, uh, Samsung is including also an additional mobile payment uh, feature, which actually mimics like a normal credit card swipe functionality with a magnet. So basically if you go into a store and they don't accept NFC payments, they don't have a little symbol and they wouldn't accept Apple Pay either at that place, the Galaxy S6 can actually emit a magnetic signal and actually registers to the card radio. Yeah, you hold it up near to the card swiper and it, right. it generates a magnetic frequency, the magnetic wave. Right, now that, that I mean, the, that's... I mean, uh, that was Lupe's kind of technology, and obviously Samsung uh, acquired them. But that seems pretty useful. I mean, if you can't have an NFC payment at a store, to still be able to pay with your phone on a normal credit card swiper, that'll cover a good portion of, of uh, you know, point-of-sale systems. So I think that's very interesting. It's a transitional Band-Aid. And that, yeah. that, that transition also uh, achieves its legacy compatibility with being as secure as a plastic card, which means not secure. Not. It's, it's sending, your, it's sending your, your account information to the bank or it's sending your account information to the vendor. So it's not any better than using a, an old-fashioned swipe card, which are being phased out in the United States next year or this year. Right, they're the chips. Maybe next summer. But that's what, that's what chip and pin is all about. It's right. instead of doing this old-fashioned magnetic swipe, which right. the back, that magnetic strip is like a piece of of cassette tape right and it has a very simple it's just your name and the uh, account number <laughs> control codes yeah. account number control codes expiration control codes name yeah basically yeah so the one I, thing i wanted to mention about this is is let's give samsung at least a little bit of recognition for the one cool thing that they've done here which is with their wireless charging instead of picking between chi and power mat they just shoved both of them in there yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They didn't pick a winner. It charges with both charging systems. Yeah. And that's that's nice. I mean, I've never had a wireless charging device, so I can't say how... How well fast are those magnetic char induction chargers? Are well, they they're not amazing. <laughs> you, you can charge um, phones reasonably well. There are a few out there that will charge an iPad, but for pretty much it's not great it's you do it because you're sitting at starbucks and they've built it into the tables the idea yeah and the the thought is that these things haven't taken off because there have been this fight over which standards use so no one's installed things in tables so no one's made it become ubiquitous so by putting it in both they're maybe hoping that they can get to ubiquity right well as we were talking about mobile payments let me jump to continue with that and you know all right samsung pay announced that version with the s6 
Google announced to Android Pay the very next day, which is, again, their version of NFC and the tokenization unique ID numbers when you do NFC payments for basically all the other Android phones besides Samsung. But uh, Apple was also in the news, and a bunch of mainstream journalists and uh, sources talked about this Apple Pay fraud. And I say that because that's what they put in their headlines. It's not fraud. But it's not fraud. And that's definitely why I just wanted to point out uh, basically, the what thieves were doing was registering stolen credit card numbers, which you can get on the internet or from various sources. They're registering these fraudulent credit card numbers with Apple Pay, and because of the lack of security checks with the banks, that Apple Pay was allowing those credit cards to be added to Apple Pay on an iPhone, and then the thief could go basically use Apple Pay with that fraudulent credit card. Apple Pay was not the weak link and was not hacked or broken into in any way. This was fraud just because there were fraudulent credit card numbers that were purchased. The fraud happened before it ever got to Apple Pay. So I just wanted to point that out. And again, it's just, it's crazy that... And the this was not a widespread thing. This was, yeah. this was a very, very limited thing. This is like six people. Right, and it's it's just amazing that anything to get Apple and something like fraud or something like that into a headline, so people can get clicks, and it's just not it's just misleading. And uh, what we yeah, see to all be very clear, Apple Pay is is the most secure way to perform a credit card transaction at this time. Right. So that was that. That was just the news, and we'll see all this Android Pay and Samsung Pay is coming out later this year anyway. So we'll have to see how that works once we once it comes out. But uh, from for now, continue using Apple Pay, as you do. But the big news, again, next week, this Monday, actually, is the Spring Forward event. And, of course, there has been a ton of Apple Watch news still. Just keep building up towards this event. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Apple even won a design award from IF, or IF. and um, IF. Apple purchased the Spot in Vogue magazine, it was featured in uh, the Yoho Fashion Magazine. It's, that's a Chinese magazine. It was in the UK's Style Magazine, and uh, it was just a bunch of just a bunch of different places. So it's just gearing up. And um, I also thought it was interesting this week the story that came out that Google is trying to bring Android Wear support to iOS. Again, funny timing for that to come out. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know what to say. I mean, it, it's hard to before an event to to break a bunch of news because obviously. We don't know anything until Monday. But, you know, Dan, we haven't had you on the show since we started talking about predictions. Is there anything that you uh, feel is going to happen on Monday that uh, we're not expecting? Or your thoughts on pricing, too? Uh, I don't know anything in particular, apart from maybe some more detail. And I think Tim Cook mentioned that they're going to show a lot of apps. So I think that's one of the things they're going to do is show. Because there's been this... The Wall Street Journal, in addition to trying to demonize Apple Pay, is also carrying this tune about how nobody wants Apple Watch and how it's Apple's job is to like get people to want this terrible thing that nobody wants. Right. <laughs> um, they're really they're really amassing a a staff of trolls. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a lot of people that are just excited about the idea of a watch and no one's given a lot of thought to what you'd actually be doing with it. And Apple showed off kind of a hint of some of the, some of the apps that you could do with it. And I think we're still in the, in the mode where the, the, the initial apps are going to be pretty simple. 
And then they're going to evolve over time and become, we're going to see new things happening. And, you know, Apple, Apple creates platforms. And when they came out with the original iOS platform for the phone, there were things that developers were, were doing or trying to do that Apple hadn't thought of. So right. whenever you have just, you know, thousands of people, creative minds coming up with either solutions to something that Apple hasn't thought about in, in, in like a specific uh, industry or, or kind of niche role, um, there's going to be a lot of new ideas that, you know, I think Apple will respond to and, and support in the future. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, cool ideas that things could happen. One of the things that he's mentioned is, you know, using the NFC to do different things, or NFC and or uh, Bluetooth to open, uh, like unlock your car or car doors. Um, there's the hotel chain that's doing the thing with uh, Bluetooth Star- door locks. Starwood hotels, yeah. You know, there's also, I'll let Victor, uh, you go in a second too, because I know you had some articles that you pulled talking about what uh, Daniel's mentioning, just naysaying the Apple Watch before it even comes out. But uh, watchaware.com is a website. We covered it on the site. You can check out our article there. But it actually has simulators or simulations of some of the apps uh, or what, what they would look like on the Apple Watch, including what a notification might look like and what the app might actually look like on the watch. Really interesting website to kind of see that um, just play out and you kind of play with the animations and, and browse the app. So you can check that out at a uh, watchaware.com and I'll put the link in show notes, but Victor, you had some uh, articles that you put in notes and, uh, why don't you go ahead with those? So the, the related thing that, uh, Dan was talking about is that this is a really a platform that, you know, I was thinking the, the phone camera didn't solve the, the take a picture problem. It solved the send a picture problem. And before you had a, a camera phone, no one really knew what to do with it, right? But the same way that once we got those, the iPhone became the predominant camera and point and shoot started to go away. So in, in the same way, the Apple Watch is not going to solve problems that are already solved by things that are not Apple Watches. And, and calling it an Apple Watch is, is a good name because that's kind of what it is, but it's also a good name because saying Apple Omnipresent Remote Control for Internet of Things is not a sexy name. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, this this is a thing that gives your iPhone superpowers. Yeah. And you also uh there's a the next web uh article which I'll yes. put in show notes, Pebble's CEO, which again, Pebble just had Eric. its uh, yeah, the new Pebble is on Kickstarter and they're, you know, selling that. And they're saying that uh, the Apple Watch is lacking and uh Basically, that he's not worried about it uh, as competition, and he brings right. Up- so one of the Pebble Times things was that it would be able to ad- attach to other external sensors and grow over time. And they think of it not only as a software platform for people who want to make watch app faces and people who want to put Foursquare and people want to unlock their car on their Pebble Watch, which is what they've done so far. Um, but that he also wants it to talk to things like Arduino. He wants it to be able to do more in this way, which is fantastic if you're a nerd. But um, it's a thing that I think he's somewhat delusional in that he thinks that that Apple Watch is inferior to his product. Right, and and he may not, you know, you may not be able to have third-party watch faces right away. But again, this is this thing where when the original iPhone came out, there were no apps. You know, there was only web apps. Uh, there was, again, a, a lack of features, again, with version 1.0. And 
And surely as Apple opens uh, developers, opens more doors for developers in their apps and in their extensions, I I have to imagine surely watch faces and things like that will be able to uh, have third party, like we have third party party keyboards now on the iPhone. You mean like we got copy and paste? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, And, you know, I will say, you know, you said uh, the Apple Watch is not going to, or the Pebble CEO was saying it won't be able to connect to external devices. Uh, I do want to point out that John Gruber of Daring Fireball Fireball actually linked to um, a TechCrunch article just this later this afternoon on Thursday. And um, there's been a couple of scoops and some sources saying that. Is that John Biggs' article? uh, Matthew Panzerino, actually. He's talking about there's actually a diagnostic port on the Apple Watch uh, there's no pictures, and this is just from people s- saying that from sources inside Apple, and several sources have uh, talked about this, that this diagnostic report is, I guess, something that, you know, like the Genius Bar might use when you bring your Apple Watch into the store, but uh, could also be used possibly for maybe third-party accessories or other type of uh, connections uh, to the Apple Watch that would happen directly. So again, that's just a, a rumor, supposedly from some sources inside Apple, but that's uh, a possibility. And again, I would have to think, you know, whenever you bring your Apple device into an Apple store and they have to run diagnostics, they always have some kind of magic behind the counter that they can, you know, kind of pull up. And I imagine they would have to have some way to well, do that with the Apple Watch too. The, you know, the first thing they have to have is battery tests. Right, that's true. Battery tests. You know, people come in and complain about their iPhone battery draining down too quickly or things like this. So they have to have good diagnostics for that. That's the very first. <clears throat> so that's a possibility. But... And you know, also, Daniel, you were not on when we discussed, uh, Mikey and Victor and I discussed the pricing. And I keep harping on this, but I'm just curious what you think. With the two <sighs> different sizes, sorry, I know Victor's uh, probably exhausted about hearing this. But Daniel, there's two different size watches, as you may know. The 38 millimeter, and then I believe it's 42 millimeter. Do you think they're going to be the same price across all the Apple Watch lines? Or do you think the larger screen size will be a different price? I thought we had, <clears throat> I thought we had a definitive answer for that, and I can't. I mean, we only have one number from Apple, which is three forty nine. Yeah, it would certainly make sense that there would be separate prices, but it would certainly also be possible for them to be the same price. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to be on my side for a split second they, there. They Daniel. can do what they want. They are Apple. <laughs> yeah, so it does cost different to 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 produce a slightly bigger one. And it has a different resolution screen, actually. Right. But whether Apple's going to charge a different price is something else. Uh, mm. Obviously, they're going to charge for the different models, and and the higher end ones are going to be expensive, and the well, watch yeah. are going to be expensive, the fancy ones. Somehow, you managed to both agree and disagree with me at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the Princess Bride. It's like, <laughs> well, if I knew you were coming from Gilder, I would definitely say no. <laughs> Right, yeah. Um, Aha, but I've built up resistance to Iocane powder. (laughs) Well, thanks for nothing, Daniel. I appreciate that. (laughs) Just want to cover my bases, so. (laughs) Can't be too wrong in either direction. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be put on the uh, the line for anything. Do you you have any prediction about what the edition might might cost? There's been so much speculation about this. Um, Anywhere from $1,000 to $20,000 to anywhere in between. any, I think the gold t- has to be at least thousands of dollars, at least just because the- just because gold costs that much right, to have because right. it's it's a pretty heavy thing. Um, so I mean, gold is expensive. Uh, the 
the price is it's not going to be priced like a like a consumer technology device. And if you remember when the iPhone came out, it was the most expensive smartphone anyone had ever sold. Right. There were a lot of Sony like uh, kind of experimental devices that were around a thousand dollars. But when Apple came out with a phone that cost six hundred bucks, everyone's jaw fell on the floor. Yeah, and even you know Steve Ballmer quite famously was laughing and saying, "This is the most expensive phone ever," and they're, you know maybe they'll get one percent market share. Um, <laughs> Apple has the ability to know. I mean, they're really good at figuring out what people will pay for, but more than that, creating a premium price tier and saying, "For this much money, we can build this," and this is this is a product that you'll want to have. And that's very different from everyone else in the tech industry has has always been. Hey, this is the this is the same thing, but it's cheaper because we we shaved off the corners here and here and here, and we put in a cheaper chip, and it's cheaper. And Apple's doing the opposite thing, which is why they make money because that's how you make money in any industry. And if you look outside the tech industry, where everyone's like, "Oh, things have to be cheaper because Google told us we have to be cheaper," mm. if you look at any other industry, especially fashion, but cars and clothing and high-end food and high-end anything it's always about with a little bit more money we can make a product that's much better right you know Whereas in tech, there's so much it's just everything has to be cheap i'm uh, i'm i'm looking on apple's website right now and uh, they have a special page for each the apple watch sport apple watch and apple watch edition and uh it's funny if you look at like the Apple Watch or the Apple Watch Sport pages, there's these huge, beautiful images of the watches, which is great. And there's, but there's a lot of description too. Um, you know, talking about the steel, talking about the glass, talking about the bracelets and the loops and all that uh, features the Milanese loop. And then if you look at the Apple Watch Edition page, there's like barely any text. It's like the little paragraph at the top, and then all just huge pictures of the watch face and the leather bands and all his is like the text. If you have to ask, it's not for you, Stephen. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> and it just it just says 18 karat gold, yellow gold case with midnight blue classic buckle. And it it reads and scans Done. like all I need to know. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a like a jewelry uh, website. Like how you would you would want these really huge close up photos of the jewelry you're looking to buy, and all it tells you is this is the size, this is the carat, this is the band that we're picturing with it, and that is it. You get no further description. <laughs> so I think that's pretty telling. The other thing that I think is sort of interesting about their marketing when they first showed it off last fall is that they have the two sizes, and they don't refer to one as the man watch and one as the woman watch. Right. <laughs> it's like, here's the two sizes, and you can pick the one you want. <laughs> right, and that's, you know, we, I don't know if we said, ever said it on the podcast, but I've heard, like, uh, you know, big ones for the guys and the small ones for the ladies, and they don't want to charge different prices for the sizes because they don't want to be gender, dis gender discriminatory, making guys pay more for their watch. But I think there's going to be some guys that want the smaller watch, I mean, especially if you have, you know, small wrists or if you're a pretty lanky guy, I mean, the large one may just look, you know, you just not like, not like the way it looks. And in the same way, I know a lot of ladies that have the six plus because they love the huge phone and I wouldn't put past them getting the larger watch instead of the smaller ones. So, which may speak more to There are Victor. many women that wear a large watch. 
Yeah, exactly. And there's guys that wear humongous watches and there's guys that wear, you know, no watches and maybe they want to wear this. So they're going to go with the smaller one. It's like their first foray into wearing a watch at all. So, which may even speak more to not charging different prices for the different sizes because it's both genders might want to get, you know, whatever size. But yeah, I think it is. It's if you look at those product pages for the watches, though, it is very interesting. I mean, they all feature these huge pictures, but it's how the Apple Watch Edition page reads is is very interesting. So, so Dan, you say thousands of dollars. I agree. Yes, the the high end is going to be thousands of dollars. Yeah, I agree. Do you think it could be over ten thousand? There certainly could be models, and I was kind of waiting for Apple to do something like this because they have been for for quite a long time been selling moderately priced stuff and doesn't get very high end i mean you can you you could buy like a macbook and keep putting options on it until it's gets to be close to five thousand dollars but um back in the day remember in the i don't know early 90s everything costs so much money that you you put in a video card and you put in Mm -hmm. ram and it was just tremendously expensive and it was just easy to hit ten thousand dollars putting together a mac and and it was the same price for a pc if you're getting the same kind of specs and there's been sort of a price barrier to where things can't go up too much because then it's just like well who could possibly pay that much but when you're coming out with a product that's outside of the typical computer uh world of kind of tech products that you sell in the mall and you start getting into the fashion industry, you realize there's a huge market for very expensive things if they're nice enough. So it's not just a tech product, it's a technology product, but it's technology in a fashion kind of lifestyle product that people pay more for. And the first thing that, I mean, the most obvious example is watches. And the next example is cars. You know, that's what people look at when they get a car is there needs to be technology, but they don't think of it as being a tech product. Right. And cars get very expensive. Yeah. Well, we will find out Monday all of this pricing and availability and uh, everything else we wanted to know about the watch. And hopefully, we'll see lots of uh, apps being shown off as well. So, tune into appleinsider.com definitely on Monday. We're going to have lots of live coverage and lots of articles going up. And we'll make sure that you guys get all the news as quickly as possible. Follow us on social media at Apple Insider and on Facebook, and we'll be kind of live tweeting and posting everything there as well. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. Daniel, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Most of my stuff goes through Twitter at Daniel, E-R-A-N, Daniel Aaron. And of course, I'm on Apple Insider. Of course, and Victor, where can people find you? I'm on Apple Insider. And you can find me on Twitter at Stephen Robles. Look for the post when it goes up with this podcast recording, and you can find links to all the articles we talked about. We would love it if you would rate us and give us a review on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the show, and rating and reviewing helps keep it up in the top charts, which you guys do on a weekly basis, so we appreciate that. But go ahead and go review it, give it a star rating. Of course, follow Apple Insider on Twitter, at Apple Insider, and you can tweet at us there. And We'd love to have a conversation and respond to you there. And watch the website, appleinsider.com, on Monday for all the Apple Watch event news. And look, we may even be able to do a special show or something like that early in the week to kind of recap the Apple Watch event. 
Thank you so much for joining us every week, and we look forward to talking to you next time.